and love okay we have a new concept that we're going to do tonight this is rather bold okay so let me walk you through the thinking I'm going to change sets because I want to make it really I want people to know I want there to be truth in advertising informed consent whatever you want to call it I don't want to be accused of a bait and switch or anything but we're going to do a book reading tonight okay we're going to do it, man. Hang on. I'm going to do something special. There we go. No, I want you fucking like that. There we go. We're going to do a book reading tonight, and I'm queuing it up right now. Look, man. I'm going to shoot straight with you. You know, this may be a little much for some of you out there, man. But I want to experiment with something. Okay, now let me set this up. Let me give you who the intended audience of this project is. The Art of Floundering Book Club. I want to be able to read, react to interesting books that not many people would read. And they don't have to be deep books with uh, really deep social commentary political pieces or anything like that I'm looking more for books that are I don't know I find interesting and if there's others people find interesting I'd love to tell you I'd love to have them on here I can tell you that I've selected two books for the book club and how and this is an experimental episode this could not go well I could ultimately fail here at what I'm trying to do. But I'm going to give it a shot, man. And I know uh, there's something I need to do. Let me do something here. Just bear with me. It's a screen thing because I want to be aware kind of of some things. Not not in a douchey way. But if somebody says something, I want to be able to say, Hey, man, I see you, dude. And, and I see you. All right. So look, man. This is what we're going to get ready to do. We're going to do a book reading, and I'm going to switch there. Enough talk. I want people to really understand, hey, you know, the title of the book that is the first Art of Floundering podcast entry in our book book of the month is called How to Live with a Huge Penis, Advice, Meditations, and Wisdom for Men Who Have Too Much. By Dr. Richard Jacob and Reverend Rev Owen Thomas. Okay, now I want to I want to reiterate because this book, you know, if you really want to know everything about this book, please buy it and support the doctor and and Rev. I am in no way, you know, um, you know, saying, hey man, hey, you know, it's you got to do that, you know, but. You know, if you have the means and you find some of these selected readings from this book interesting, I would encourage you to buy it. Now, why I'm saying that is, you know, I don't want people coming here thinking it, this is an audio book. Now, I wish there was an audio book available, but this is not my material to do that. That's not ethically, legally, or it's not a cool thing to do. So periodically throughout the readings... I will be stopping and reacting to them, okay? A variety of reasons. I'm not doing it to upset anybody, ruin their flow, or anything like that. But 
what I am trying to do is hang on for a second because yours truly messed up again. And if I have to do what I think I have to do, maybe it's for the right reasons. Let me see something here. Okay, I'm back. Hey, Scott, sorry, I had a technical glitch there with Podbeam. We are back with Podbeam. I'm trying to get cutesy here, gang. So just bear with me. Okay, now, so let me get back. Oops, I knew I did it again. Gosh darn it, this is going to be a problem. I'm going to have to figure out if you're, you're dealing with, uh, you guys on the live streams, or this is not what I was wanting to be broadcasting. All right, now back you go over there i'll deal with you in a second you back there okay now sorry guys this will be edited out in the final version now once again i've got it i can't reiterate this enough this is not an audiobook that would not be cool however i'm going to read uh, maybe i will change but i would like to read this cover to cover it's not a long book Okay, so let us begin with the cover of this book. And we will be reacting and checking comments throughout. I would imagine, you know, now would be a good time if you are in a position, you know, like if you're doing open heart surgery, you're not in a position to do what I'm suggesting. But if fate puts you in a position to, you know, I'm, I'm partaking of the sacrament, man, at, which is another phrase of I'm going to hit some of this weed. If that's, you know, this may help make this book, How to Live with a Huge Penis, that I'm getting ready to read, um, more optimal. And once again, we're going to be commenting throughout this. All right, the cover, How to Live with a Huge Penis, Advice, Meditations, and Wisdom for Men Who Have Too Much. All right, so we're going to skip the copyright, man. Just get right to the introduction. Definition. OMG as an acronym. Otherwise known as oversized male genitalia. A genetic birth defect that causes the penis to grow absurdly large. The condition is thought to affect about 1 million American men. Though that number may be artificially low due to the unreporting. OMG is usually diagnosed between the ages of 12 and 14, although late-set OMG has been reported in men as old as 25. There are currently no known causes or treatments and no known adverse physical effects. However, the condition is usually accompanied by psychological, psychological problems beginning in adolescence. Introduction, The Secret, Shame, from the book How to Live with a Large Penis. Our society is obsessed with size, and bigger is almost always better. Men boast about driving the biggest truck, hunting with the biggest rifle, having the biggest biceps. Women pay thousands of dollars for bigger breasts. Movie posters exclaim, the biggest hit of the summer. And athletes live by the mantra, go big or go home. We love bigger. Bigger is good. Bigger works. But when it comes to penises, bigger is a curse. Something to be ashamed of. From a young age, boys with huge penises are taught to keep them locked away in the prison of their underwear. Mortified parents grow to great lengths to keep the great lengths of their son's genitals a secret, afraid to become the laughing stock of their supper clubs and church groups, while, quote, normal boys prance through locker rooms with their penises flopping gleefully about, snapping towels and comparing pubic manes, boys with OMG, once again, oversized male genitalia, learn to feign other disabilities to avoid gym class altogether. This pattern of avoidance continues into adulthood. Beaches, pool parties, and bike rides are just a few things that strike fears into the hearts of the overhung. A man who carries a huge penis 
also carries a sack full of painful memories, being teased and physically attacked by schoolmates and co-workers, accidentally making sexual partners hemorrhage or vomit, suffering the sweltering days of summer in long pants. Tragically, many men find it too much to bear. OMG sufferers have a suicide rate 30 times that of the average population. Let that sink in, haters. Any of you haters out there right now? Huh? How does that sound? Why don't you? There's a lot of people suffering in silence. So I suggest if there's anybody snickering about some of this, you might want to just calm it down. I digress. Many more express their pain through self-mutilation, awful harming their penises, or in rare cases, cut, <laughs> excuse me, cutting them off entirely. I first met the Reverend Owen Thomas while I was laying in a hospital bed in Cambridge, Massachusetts. He was the chaplain on call. I was the troubled young doctoral student who'd been found unconscious after my beating my penis bloody with a hammer. I'd been courting a beautiful undergrad all semester, and after a few dates, we found ourselves petting on my couch. But when I unzipped my fly and draped my penis on her leg, she let out a deafening scream and ran, half naked, out of my apartment. In her panic, she fell down my building. Uh-oh, what happened? In a panic, she fell down uh, my building staircase, broke her neck, and died instantly. Over the next few months, while doctors worked to save my penis, Reverend Owen worked to save my soul. He taught me to see my condition as something that made me exceptional. God's kicking your ass because he thinks you're man enough to take it, he was fond of saying. He also entrusted me with his own secret that he, too, was inflicted with OMG. Suffice it to say, I wouldn't be alive today without his love and wisdom. Years later, with my own son about to start school, happily, he inherited a tiny piece for penis from my wife's side of the family, I felt a duty to spare other boys some of the pain that poisoned my life for so many years, to give them the tools to achieve, quote, normalcy that took me so long to find. Reverend O and I have remained friends these long years, and I wouldn't have dreamt of writing this book without him. So in the name of healing and brotherhood, Dr. Richard Jacob, Sherman, Connecticut, and that was the introduction to this book. They also have frequently, we would frequently ask questions about OMG, oversized male genitalia. We'd like to begin by addressing the questions and concerns that most of the general public has about OMG. Dr. Richard and Rev Owen will take turns answering. Okay, here's the first question. Is someone with OMG technically a human being? Dr. Richard says, yes. Men with OMG have all the same parts, quote, normal men do. Not to mention all the same feelings. There's no scientific evidence to support some of the ugly anti-OMG myths that have persisted for generations, such as men with OMG have small brains or men with OMG eat babies. Next question. Can I catch, unquote, OMG from another person? Reverend Owen says, absolutely not. And the stupidity of this question really pisses me off. How come everybody worries about, quote, catching a hu huge penis? But nobody ever says, oh, I hope I don't catch those enormous tits. All right. Once again, this is from the book. I'm not taking credit or blame. I'm just, I'm, think of me as the, the, the conduit. I'm, I'm, look, I'm putting this knowledge out there because I know there's people suffering from this shit, dude. Tell your friends, man. Tell the family. Look, I'm just, this is an educational opportunity, dude. I hope you're good. And once again, I know me stopping in here to disrupt the flow of the book, but I have to. 
because it's a, it's like if I didn't, it would be me trying to fucking do an audio book, and that's not cool. We want to we want to be able to talk this. I'm gonna look at comments. Anybody have any comments, man? I'd love to hear what you think about some of this stuff I'm reading. Hello, Alphabet infects you. Here's the next question: Is oversized male genitalia hereditary? According to Dr. Richard, he says the following. The short answer is, we think so. Getting funded for genetic research into oversized male genitalia, OMG, is difficult. Since the general public would rather pretend the condition doesn't exist. But there have been several studies that show men with oversized male genitalia are up to 80% more likely to have sons with OMG. Though we can't be absolutely sure, it's thought that one out of every 150 males is afflicted with oversized male genitalia. The next question from the book, to catch everybody up, this is the Art of Floundering Book Club. We're going to pick out the book of the month. The first book is called How to Live with a Huge Penis. Hold, hold on. Let me get back to the title. I mean, because it's this groundbreaking work, folks. All right, this is How to Live with a Huge Penis, Advice, Meditation, and Wisdom for Men Who Have Too Much by Dr. Rick, Richard Jacobs and Reverend Owen Thomas. I know this might be tough, but this is real, man. This I told you I would bring you guys reality, and I'm bringing it to you. All right, here's the next question, man. Am I required? Once again, I'm going to explain the acronym. OMG, Oscar, Mike, Golf, is oversized male genitalia. And I, I know me stopping the reading is irritating. It's not my material. This is a, I technically, we're going to have to call this reaction, okay? I have to break in because otherwise I'm going to say I'm trying to do an audio book. And I don't want to do that. I think they need to make an audio book. I'm reading the Kindle version of this book. I highly encourage everybody go out there and get it. Now, next question. Am I required to register my OMG status with the government? Dr. Richard replies, for many people, the answer, unfortunately, is still yes. The following four states still require men with OMG diagnosis to register with their local police departments, Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, and Vermont. In police, in Mississippi, police have the right to search your underwear during traffic stops if they suspect you're hiding a huge penis. In Vermont, OMG sufferers are required to have their penises photographed at the DMV. Next question. Can women get OMG? Reverend Owen says... Can women have oversized men genitalia, male genitalia? Are you serious? I'm no egghead, but I think you need to have a penis to have a huge penis. Okay, so let's get to the next one now. Chapter 1. We read the introduction, but here's chapter 1, titled, You Are Not Alone, Huge Penises in History. In quotations, it states, with the diagram of those who are inflicted. It states, Believe in yourself. Have faith in your abilities. Without a humble but reasonable confidence in your own powers, you cannot be successful or happy. Norman Vincent Peale. As young OMG sufferers, we're taught to temper our expectations, water down our dreams. Our parents tell us we'll never marry, never have children. Never have a white-collar job because we can't wear slacks. Our high school guidance counselor tells us to keep to ourselves. Hope for a quiet life of no more than 60 or 70 years. We're led to believe that the only big thing within our grasp is between our legs. But there are some men who have achieved huge things, despite their huge penises. Your high school library textbook probably doesn't mention their OMG, but the truth is, in front of every one of these great men, was a great big penis, Albert Einstein. A young Einstein once pondered how long it would take light to travel from one end of his gigantic penis to the other. 
a question that ultimately led to the theory of special relativity. He was most famous equation, E equals MC square, was born of his battle with OMG. Einstein was struck by how much energy he spent lamenting the mass of his penis. In quotations, it was, quote, it was then that I realized that the process could be reversed, that a small amount of mass could be converted into a tremendous amount of energy. Benjamin Franklin. Many of Benjamin Franklin's inventions were inspired by his enormous phallus, including the lightning rod and bifocals, which allowed him to see both the tip of the base of his penis <laughs> which allowed him to see both the tip and the base of his penis at the same time. His giant member may have even saved America. In 18th century France, huge penises were all the rage. <laughs> Franklin used his own to great effect with the ladies of King Louis' court who helped rally France to America's aid during the Revolutionary War. That's the, a little history for you, man. Thanks to, to Ben Franklin and his huge phallus, dude, he was able to get us a little help here in America to, to beat the Redcoats, dude. Napoleon Bonaparte. In one of history's greatest ironies that the term Napoleonic complex has come to mean a need to prove oneself because of short stature. In fact, Napoleon's need to prove himself came from his colossal dong, made all more huge by his relatively small body frame. Hold on. In fact, we get the word boner from his last name. Contrary to conventional wisdom, Napoleon wasn't exiled because of his military blunders, but rather because of his OMG was discovered by his generals. The fucking things they're hiding from people in fucking school. It's getting laughable, man. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham, America's 16th president was known to suffer bouts of melancholy brought on by his OMG. His wife, Mary Todd, also struggled with mental illness, a byproduct of the stress of her frequently encounters with Abe's horse-like genitals. It's also... Widely accepted that John Wilkes Booth, Lincoln's assassin, didn't shout six semper tyrannis, thus always to tyrants, when he went when, <laughs> when he leapt to the Ford Theater stage, but rather six semper queer penis, thus always to the strange penis. Hello, Radio Parlesque. We're doing selected readings. Woody Bush, you're still hanging in there. We're doing selected readings. I will occasionally break in. Right now, we're in chapter one of how to live with a, a, a huge penis. And, and uh, yes, you get where we're coming from. Okay. And right now, for anybody else, how, how famous, famous people in history who also had large phalluses. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, dude. Mozart's obsession with music began at a very young age when he realized that sitting at the piano helped conceal the massive bulge in his pantaloons. Later in life, he resolved to cut his penis off. His famous requiem was actually composed as a funeral mass for his soon-to-be-severed genitals. Fortunately, he lacked the nerve to follow through. Mozart's final opera, The Magic Flute, was an attempt to reconcile with his penis, to forgive it for all the pain it had caused him. Hang on. Why don't you guys reflect on that, you know, as you, as you hate on people with this condition, dude, that they're fucking in a lot of pain. Fucking Mozart, dude. All right, Mark Twain. When a young Samuel Clemens was a steamboat pilot on the Mississippi River, his shipmates used to joke that his penis, penis would reach the depth of Mark Twain, 12 feet, if he threw it overboard. The name stuck, though most of his readers never had a clue to its origins. <laughs> oh, so, sorry, man. Uh, to its origins. In Twain's masterpiece, The Adventures of of Huckleberry Finn, scholars believe that Huck's friend Jim uh, represents the imprisonment Twain felt because of his huge penis. All right. All right. Once again, I'm reading this. I'm not writing this stuff. Here. All right. Here's the next thing. All right. How big is huge? This is part of, this is in the frequently asked questions section. 
At what point does a penis cease being merely merely large and cross the threshold into OMG? Beginning with the Canary Islands Conference of 1904 and and as recently as Dr. Herbert Sumner's now widely discredited on huge penises of 1970, there have been several attempts to create a universal diagnostic guidelines, a certain number of inches, a certain weight, and so on. But these simply weren't practical because <laughs> penile hugeness is relative to the size of the sufferer, and it can take many different forms. For instance, some penises are exceedingly long but lack girth, quote, French braids, whereas others are quite wide but short, quote, tuna cans. An OMG diagnosis requires excessive length and width. It is usually made in early adolescence when the defect first presents itself. In addition to a basic visual and manual examination, today's doctors ask seven simple questions to help confirm an OMG diagnosis. Play along. First question, yes or no. Have you ever pinched your penis under a toilet seat? Question number two, yes or no. Do sexual partners complain of stomach aches during intercourse? Question three, yes or no. Have you ever experienced numbness in your hands or feet while erect? Question number five, do you buy oversized pants or underwear to accommodate your penis? Question number six, have you ever harbored thoughts of harming your penis? And finally, yes or no, can you touch the base of your spine with the tip of your penis? Generally, if the patient responds yes to four more of the questions, his penis can be classified as huge. Next famous person in history who suffered for OMG is Leonardo da Vinci. Why is Mona Lisa smiling awkwardly? Because, as Leonardo later recorded in a journal, that devil had, unbeknownst to me, slithered forth from the safety of my stockings as I painted her. His interest in anatomy came from his need to understand the forces behind this embarrassing growth. And his famous anatomical drawing, I'm going to fuck this up, Virtuvian Man, was Leonardo's ideal self, a man with an average penis displaying it without shame, something the artist was never able to do. Is this hitting home to anybody? Because this is some pretty hard hitting. Uh, (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, next one up is uh, Sigmund Freud. The pain young Freud felt was so severe that he invented modern psychoanalysis to cope with his own troubles. His theory that desire for sex drives all human behavior, ironically, a window into his soul, for Freud was sadly never able to experience, quote, normal sex during his lifetime. His use of the couch during psychoanalysis was considered revolutionary. In reality, Freud found sitting for long periods to be excruciating because of his penis, and he assumed others felt the same way. P.T. Barnum. Barnum's affinity for, quote, freaks came from his own experience as a young outcast in Connecticut. Teased and even beaten by his peers because of his OMG, he swore to teach them all a lesson by turning his deformity into a fortune. In the end, it was the deformities of others that made him rich. Though Barnum never performed in his own circus, he briefly considered taking the stage with Tom Thumb and having the tiny general do pull-ups on his erect penis. But eventually he thought the better of it. Well, that would have been an interesting show. Come on, come all, kids, and watch P.T. Barnum do chin-ups. Tom Thumb. All right. To give you guys an overall idea of how long this book is, if you buy it, it's only 129 pages. I'm not reading the whole book. 
We're going to just do, we're almost done with the reading for tonight. I'm going to do this in bits. Theodore Roosevelt, when Teddy said, speak softly and carry a big stick, most of the world thought it was a clever summary of an approach to foreign policy. In fact, the big stick to which he was referring to was in his underpants. Whoops. Uh-oh. I just, hang on for a second. I just went crazy. Was in his underpants. Hold on. We're almost there. Okay. I accidentally hit something, and I, I want to apologize. Back on track, man. Once again, when Teddy said, speak softly and carry a big stick, most of the world thought it was a clever summary of his approach to foreign policy. In fact, the big stick to which he was referring was in his underpants. Roosevelt spent many years carefully crafting a macho image as Hunter, quote, rough rider and outdoorsman, but it was all a ruse, a facade to cover up the secret that threatened to undercut his manhood. After leaving office, Roosevelt traveled on safari to Africa, where he vented his frustrations by killing a slew of elephants, rhinos, and buffalo, all creatures with huge penises. Yeah, no shit. The next one on the list of famous people in history who suffered from oversized male genitalia, OMG, Jim Morrison. In The Doors, The End, Morrison sing, sings, The snake is long, seven miles. Ride the snake. He's old, and his skin is cold. One need only to look at the many of Morrison's lyrics and song titles to understand just how deep his preoccupation with his penis. Touch me, backdoor man, break on through, and of course, horse latitudes. Morrison died alone at the age of 27. Which in, 19, which in 1971 was two years shy of the average OMG sufferer's lifespan. Sir Winston Churchill. One reason Churchill so vehemently opposed Adolf Hitler's vision of a master race was because he knew he could never be part of it, thanks to his remarkably bulbous genitals. The Nazis prided themselves on their tiny penises. Like, Jesus, I can't believe I'm... I'm probably going to just, I don't even think you're allowed to say this word in our world, but let me get back to it. I just accidentally went, okay. The Nazis prided themselves on their tiny penises. Hitler himself was said to have a spectacular penis of no more than one inch when fully erect, which he rarely was. Churchill knew that if Hitler succeeded, the world would never be safe for, for men with average-sized penises, never mind those with OMG. Okay, next, next thought. All God's creatures, great and greater, huge penises in nature. OMG sufferers are often chastised as freaks or God's accidents. But science has made great strides in debunking this old discriminatory rhetoric. A study of dozens of animal species reveals that huge penises are much more common in the animal kingdom than once thought. For example, horses. Any casual internet user knows that horses have huge penises, and yet horses are among nature's proudest creatures. Whales. Whale penises can measure up to eight feet long, which is less impressive when you consider that whale vaginas are often 12 feet deep. I'm reading from the book. These aren't elephants. Elephant penises can reach six feet long and weigh more than 60 pounds. Sadly, poachers often kill these creatures to sell their penises as designer sleeping bags. The Argentine blue-billed duck males have been observed with 17-inch penises. That's more than twice their average body length. It's the largest penis in the bird kingdom, Ever since the extinction of the Argentina's three-legged swallow in the early 1900s. Barnacles. Although only a, few in, uh, only a few centimeters in diameter, barnacles have the greatest penis-to-body size ratio at 40 to 1. If a barnacle were a six-foot-tall man, his penis would be 240 feet long. And why would he be able to reach the urine and he would be able to reach the urinals from Wrigley Field from the pitcher's mound? All right. So that we'll come back to it, but that's kind of where we're at, man, in our first foray into uh, our book club, man. 
I'm not, let me see if there's any comments. Radio Parless and Woody Bush hanging in there, man. Yes, Woody, it, it, back to that survey. Now, I'm going to attempt to read a chapter a night and react. I have to react. I have to react. Um, <clears throat> and I'll upload these as podcast episodes. The next book, I have another book queued up that follows this. It's called How to Pick Up Girls. And uh, But look, if anybody has a book, I, I'd like it to be just something that people aren't aware of, man. You know, there was a time when I, I read reviews from a book called Semenology, which was a book you can find on Amazon that talks about, apparently, it's got, this is how you can make uh, uh, a podcast with, you know, spunk in it, you, 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 you know. And so that doesn't, you know, I don't want to read a bunch of, uh, you know, recipes, but I'm willing to, I mean, you know, it's got to be in good taste. This is pretty good satire. They don't go over the line. Hopefully, I'm, I hope that, golly gosh, people have been able to discern that this book is satire, you know, and if not, well, you know, in today's world, that's my disclaimer that every, I mean, I hope, you know, but you just never know, you know? So the, the, how to live with a huge penis, the art of floundering book club. We may, we may read another chapter cause that, that was interesting. I may, I may go for another chapter here, but I'm going to smoke a little weed first, man. First, we're going to smoke weed because, you know, maybe some of that book hit close to home. Look. This is a safe place to believe and make believe in here. Switching gears real quick. Saw a video of this teacher slapping this kid in Indiana. I just saw this thing. Apparently it happened two or three days ago. I'm not sure. I don't have all the context other than this kid was walking down a school hallway. His teacher grabs him. He's pissed off. Kid says something. Fucking guy slaps the kid, but as he slapped the kid, the kid's head hits on those concrete fucking walls, you know, in those in institutionalized schools, you know. I'm like, okay, so that's the scene. Now I'm I'm thinking. You know, I keep looking for something that where reasonable people can get together and agree. And, you know, sure enough, guys, dude, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Now, I don't really care what the story is. You know, you don't hit kids, man. I, and so this was just, I mean, so um, very interesting but not in the theme of what this is. So we're going to get out of that mindset. And once again, my disclaimer, as with all disclaimers, is, um, and I'm not trying to sound dramatic. I don't, this is, please don't mistake this for anything other than I'm just setting a context. And I don't know why this is so important to explain. But right now, Man, where I'm at with my fucking back and moving spine and that fucking pain, I cannot be counted on to fucking be of any value until I can get out of this. Uh, it absolutely has now reached a point where it's dominating fucking 24-7. And that's okay. My only way out of living in the negativity of that is to really do fucking crazy shit. And so, but also what's been happening a lot lately is, you know, right in the middle of fucking trying to do something, I just go. So I'm, I'm unpredictable. The show's unpredictable, but that's life, man. I feel pretty good right now. I feel good enough to, to get into another chapter of this book because I think people need to hear that. Radio, why are people, are people so ashamed, radio? Are people so ashamed that they don't, Look, man, this is like, this is my olive branch, man. Come, this is, I'm, you know, 
we're not going to say any of the bad words, man. We're going to just, you know, we're all going to come together a sense of community, dude. And, and fucking at least agree that, you know, maybe, maybe there's some of our neighbors, man, that are suffering a little bit more than they need to, you know, and just being aware of, you know, this is, I'm just trying to make people aware of, you know, what's out there. There's a community, dude. And, you know, and if anything's, if anything's fucking taught me anything, we need everybody, including people that suffer from oversized male genitalia. So if this book, if anything, man, if I could, if somebody somehow, you know, if there's like somebody that's got, you know, OMG phobia, dude, and they, they come in here because they want to, I'm going to go troll this guy, man. Who's he fucking to try to normalize the fucking, you know, having a huge penis, man. I want to go back to shaming that. And they come in here and they change their mind. And all this is worth it, man, because that's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to build community, man. Build a bridge of coexistence. It's, there's a, Don't you feel there's enough arguing? I do. And that's why we're here, man, with this kind of content, man. Because we're not trying to fucking harm. We're trying to heal. Get it? Haters? We're, we're trying to heal. And this may be something, some condition, some so-called condition that you want to look the other way and pretend it's not out there because that disrupts your suburban dream or whatever illusion that you're living on or your Instagram followers. But why don't you come down from the clouds, man, and get what's happening on the streets. On the streets, we got a community of OMG sufferers, man, and they're suffering in freaking silence because they know if they come out, they're going to get nothing but fucking hate because we're going to be a bunch of fucking poopy pants to them. That's how we are, man. That's how we roll. So let us proceed with the next part of the book, dude. And hang on, it this is a whole fucking thing. Um, don't worry, it will be better here in a second. That's not what I wanted to do, or is it? Yeah, fuck it. This is what I wanted to do. Boom, boom. And you go there. Okay, sorry about that. Now it's going to go away again. Boom. And then I'm going to bring it back because I've got those that level fucking skills. Bada bing. Okay, now. Chapter 2. Hang on while I move this a little bit. I have to be able to see... Once again, I apologize. This will be edited out on the uploaded version, but hey, man. All right. Before we get into Chapter 2 of the book, once again, a couple of disclaimers. While I have purchased this book in the past, to be honest, I didn't read it cover to cover. I purchased it because I thought it would make a, a good dating profile picture. Which I posted on Match.com of me reading from How to Live with a Huge Penis is my profile picture. So that's why I bought it. Because I thought, hey man, this will be real clickbait. I wanted them to know that they were dealing with somebody that was already broken, I guess. Hang on. Okay, I said it. Maybe maybe I'm just projecting instead of dealing with my own shit. Maybe that's what this show's all about, man. Maybe just maybe I, I'm suffering too in silence and I don't know how to really just come clean with everybody and say, Hey man, my name's Will Dick and you know, this is who I really am, you know? Wouldn't that be great to have that kind of space to just be who you re- really are to up to and including being fucking cursed with oversized male genitalia? Gee whiz, to create that kind of space would be wonderful. I guess it's unrealistic to hope for things like that because, you know, in the big picture, yada, yada, yada. Well, right now, let's get ourselves in the mindset where anything's possible. The fucking big picture is whatever you want the big picture to be. Because I think you're going to need an open mind for this next chapter in How to Live with a Huge Penis, Chapter 2, titled Dealing with Discrimination. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there's haters out there. Wouldn't you know? Big surprise, right? Hey, America, 
you better get out of here with your huge genitalia. We only have normal and tiny penises around this way. All right, let's get to it. In a world struggling to heal the wounds of a racially and ethnically divided past, overhung men are still victimized by what the post-Israel McCarthy calls, quote, the last fashionable prejudice. For a real man with OMG, life is a minefield of ridicule, ostracism, even physical attacks. In this chapter, we'll tackle some real-life examples of discrimination. Shared by your fellow sufferers. After each story, Dr. Richard and Reverend Owen will each present his own view on how the situation could have been handled differently. <clears throat> Dealing with teasing. Quote, I was at Buffy, I was at a Buffy convention in Denver. And me and some of the other guys and our friend Emily, who's really cool, were sitting in a hot tub at the motel after a long day of panels. Just your typical 40-something crowd partying it up, eating pizza, discussing all the things we ask SMG if we ever met her in real life, and listening to one of my famous Rush Mix CDs. So I start climbing out of the tub, and suddenly everybody starts freaking out and pointing. I look down, and my cut-off jean shorts have ridden up my leg, exposing the lower half of my penis. It looks like a shahulad, yelled Pete's friend Chad, a reference to the giant sandworms in, in Dune. Everybody in the hot tub started laughing and chanting, the spice must flow, the spice must flow. I ran back to my room crying, packed up my Xander and Willow bus and took a cab straight to the bus station. I haven't had the nerve to show my face on the Buffy circuit since. Eric G. Reverend Owen says, When I was growing up on the streets of Brockton, Massachusetts, we had a method for dealing with situations like this. If a group of kids was giving you a hard time, you picked out the biggest, meanest-looking one and cracked him right in the face with a crowbar. After he fell with his nose gushing all over the place, you looked at the other kids and asked, Anybody else got something to say? Believe me, they never did. This is what Dr. Richard says. I wouldn't go quite as far as Reverend Owen, but I agree that running away isn't the answer. It only leads to regret. I wish I said, and shame, I'm such a coward. Stand your ground. Ask them what's so horrible about having a body a body part that's bigger than usual. Would they tease someone with big feet? If they persisted, you're probably better off without these so-called friends anyway. Dealing with morbid curiosity. Here's the story. I was at hospital name redacted pending lawsuit for my first physical after moving to the area. My new doctor seemed okay at first. He was an older gentleman, mid-60s. The exam started off fine until he lifted my gown to get a look at my testicles. He visibly recoiled, then turned red, and, and he stifled a laugh. Would you excuse me, he asked. He walked out of the exam room, leaving me sitting on the cold paper with my penis dangling. <clears throat> excuse me. A minute later, he returned with not one but three nurses and another doctor. I was mortified. These, uh, these colleagues are here to assist with your physical. I knew he was lying. They were there to get a glimpse. One by one, they came forward and inspected my penis, each one trying not to laugh. One nurse lifted it with her palms to check the weight. Another put a blood pressure cuff around it and pumped it up giggling like a schoolgirl the whole time. More and more people streamed to the room, lab techs, administrators, EMTs. It was embarrassing beyond description. When a janitor showed up with a digital camera, I burst into tears. Omar. Reverend Owen says, If I had a nickel, quote, looky-loos are a large constant thorn in my side. 
at the Priest Lounge in Cambridge. The minute I show up in the steam room, it fills up faster than Fenway Park. When I catch a new guy staring, I usually say something like, I think your eyes are full. Any room in your ass? If I catch him again, I solve it Brockton style. Trust me, they have a hard time staring when both their eyes are swollen shut. <laughs> That's this is the Reverend Owen. Dr. Richard says, I disagree. I think it's more important to educate than intimidate. When I find myself in these situations, we've all had that masseuse beachgoer or relative that's made made fun of us that made us feel uncomfortable i try to be polite matter of fact i see you've noticed that my penis is unusually large that's because i have a medical condition called omg don't be afraid it isn't contagious i'd be happy to explain more to you interesting approach next topic is dealing with exclusion Every year before the homecoming game, my college has this thing called the Parade of Pubes. Hang on. More evidence. More evidence, real quick. Yet more evidence. I know this is satire, but more evidence what a bold investment college is. Every year before the homecoming game, my college has this thing called the Parade of Pubes. All the kids strip naked except for their sneaker and run around the football stadium three times. Girls paint mascots on their boobs. Guys dress their dicks like the other team's coach. And everybody gets wasted, right? It's awesome. So junior year, I'm like, fuck it. I'm tired of feeling left out. Plus, I'm stupid drunk. So when it's time to strip, I take my clothes off. But when my hog comes out, one of my buddies is like, dude, what the fuck? Everybody starts moving away from me, making a big circle like they don't want to be near me and stuff. It gets all quiet. And this campus cop comes over to me and he's like, son, I'm going to need you to put your clothes on. And I'm uh, back on. And I'm like, why? Everybody else is naked. And he's like, son, I don't want any trouble. And I'm like, fuck you, bro. So he handcuffs me and drags me to the security office. They charged me with public indecency for being naked. They even took away my tickets to the game because I was supposedly a security risk. It was totally fascist. Jason D. Reverend Owen says... Look, it's no fun feeling left out, but there's all something to said for picking your battles. Personally, I wouldn't gotten a naked in front of a whole crowd of college kids. Seems to me like you're asking for tr trouble. One of my cardinal rules is never show your penis to more people than you're prepared to fight. I'm going to read that one more time. One of my cardinal rules, according to the Reverend Owen, one of my cardinal rules is never show your penis to more people than you're prepared to fight. <clears throat> Dr. Richard states, the Reverend and I are on the same page here. Confronting prejudice is the most effective when it's done one person at a time. When you feel excluded, the first thing you need to do is give yourself a shot, a shot of vitamin E. E for esteem. Remind yourself it's their ignorance that's at fault, not your huge penis. Otherwise, you run the risk of losing your temper. <clears throat> okay, now, next topic is dealing with fear. <clears throat> By the way, that was my, ex from, the, from the testimony to every, so far, exclusion has been, for me, the most beneficial. Just from the story of how that poor college kid, you know, told the cop to go fuck himself, and the cop, fucking asshole, fucking cuffed him up. Fucking fascist dicks. <laughs> I love it. All right, next next one we're going to get into, guys. This topic is called dealing with fear, man. I think we've all been there regardless of our personal affliction, so to speak. 
So maybe maybe there's going to be something useful, even if you don't suffer or really are cognizant of OMG. You know, you've just been a, living in a bubble. But anyway, dealing with fear. <clears throat> we just about, we just finished dinner. I'll never forget the amount. $366.68. Not because it was a lot to spend on dinner for two. Because of the 666 in the middle. One of those things that gives you a chill when you think about it later. Anyway, I paid, got her coat from the check room, and walked her to the car. In the parking lot, while I was punching the address of this club into the navigation system, she said, I want to thank you for dinner and started rubbing my hand, rubbing her hand on my leg. Right there, I asked. Right here, she, wait, right here, I asked. Right here. She started undoing my zipper, and I thought, should I say something? But it was too late. Out it came. She jumped back and shrieked, turned, and frantically started pulling the door handle, but the automatic locks were on. She took off her Rolex hyperventilating. Please, please don't kill me. Take anything you want. She dug through her purse and threw her wallet at me. I just sat there stunned, paralyzed with confusion. The next thing I knew, she pepper sprayed me in the face. I screamed, clutching my eyes and dry heaving. She finally got the door open and ran off into the night. Reverend Owen says, well, I'd say the relationship was doomed from the get-go. I mean, unless you were planning to follow in my footsteps and choose a life of celibacy, she was going to see your penis sooner or later. Better to get it over with and just save yourself another pricey meal. In fact, if you brought up your OMG during dinner, she might have gotten away with nothing more than a glass of wine in the face. Dr. Richard. Remember that moment when you wondered whether you should say say something? Well, you probably should have. Unfortunately, we overhung men have to be extra cautious. We have to assume that people will be frightened when they first lay eyes on our genitals. Sure, it's unfamiliar that we're persecuted for having thick, meaty penises, but it's equally unfair to take someone by surprise with them. Good point. All right. Dealing with threats of physical violence. Remember what Reverend Owen said. His rule of thumb is don't show your penises to more pe- don't don't ever show your penis to more people than you're prepared to fight. That's profound, dude. All right, dealing with threats of physical violence. We were pinned down on a rooftop in Southeast Fallujah, and the mortar rounds were getting closer and closer. There was no time to wait for the armor to show up. We had to put some lead on these motherfuckers before they dialed us in. Sarge ordered me to lay down and suppress and fire. I crossed myself, stood up, and started spraying. An instant later, a sniper put a round right through my thigh. I fell back, clutching my leg. Doc was there right away. Lay still! I felt the needle go in. I felt the scissors cut away my fatigues. I remember seeing a bunch of jaws drop and somebody yelling, Holy shit, he's a fucking hoko. See, hateful penis slurs, this page. Hold on, we're going to see what that... I don't know what hoko means. I'm so sorry, man. Go to this page, man. All right, well, never mind. I'll go to that one later. Uh, uh, Boom, all right. Sarge tried to pull the dock off me and yelled, Let the fucker bleed out. No, I took an oath, damn it. The other guys in the unit gathered behind Sarge and pointed the rifles at me. Let me shoot him, Sarge. Fuck that, let me, Sarge. Drew his sidearm, pointed at Doc's head. Now I'm going to count to... But before he could finish, a mortar hit the roof dead center. The next thing I remember is waking up in a hospital bed in Germany. Ernesto. I don't even know what to say to this. I've read your story over and over, looking for some lesson to take from it. Something positive. But all it does is reinforce my fear that everything I've done 
with my life trying to spread Christ's message of charity and tolerance has been in vain. The older I get, the more I think we're nothing but a bunch of animals, and we deserve whatever God throws our way. <laughs> it's inspiring words from the Rev. Doctor, that's a service I'd go to. All right, Dr. Richard says, once again, I disagree with my friend. I think the fact that Doc wanted to, to help you in spite of your OMG shows the tremendous progress we've made the last hundred years. As for what I would have done differently, I might have tried to add the calming voice to the chaos instead of sitting there silently. Hey guys, I see you've noticed that's my penis is unusually large. That's because I have a medical condition called uh, OMG. All right, Cobra by Israel McCarthy. Born in 1934 on the Amalfi Coast, Israel McCarthy ran away to London as a teenager, took a job as a cab driver's apprentice while he attended night classes at the English Academy of Poetry. In 1955, he set the beat movement on fire when he published his first collection, Poems About My Huge Penis. Since then, he's devoted his life and career on the issues faced by men with OMG, holding charity events, speaking at campuses across the world, even creating a line of specialty pants. But his greatest contribution to our cause has been his, has been his body of work. Hundreds of poems about the struggles of having a huge penis. One of the very best is Cro Cobra. One of the very best is Cobra from his first collection. <clears throat> and I read, Cobra. The Cobra is everywhere, man. Poised to bite. Poised to bite. At night, the venom pours from his toothless mouth. Weave in a silken blanket that warms my chest. A lover's bed without a guest, I wipe his mouth a gentle kiss. His glistening lips, his eyeless face, an artist's dream. But not mine, man. Not mine. That's right, man. That was our attempt of creating some semblance of content. And to do that, I had to read and react, dude. Now, is what I'm trying to do. So, I'm going to take another hit of grass, and then we're going to break out some puppets. To talk about, look, it's one thing to talk about, you know, to do a podcast and sit here, delay this trip about, you know, what it's like to have, you know, suffer from having large genitalia but what about fucking people that find themselves on the opposite end of that fucking spectrum dude what about those that are inflicted with microphiles what's their narrative i'd like to know and tonight we're going to take for the second half of the podcast we're going to do a deep dive into that narrative man this ain't gonna be no bullshit right this is like, it's time, you know, we're going to fucking lay it out there, man. You want truth, you're going to get truth, man. And look, just because some of this might make you feel uncomfortable doesn't mean it's not true. So I would advise you to check all that at the door, man. Because tonight is about blowing the roof off expectations, man. Because we're not here to fucking get into fucking what is going to make everybody fucking sleep well at night. We're going to we're gonna fucking lay out truth. And if this is the first time you heard it, hey man. I uh, you know what I'm I'm sorry, but welcome to being red pilled. Alright? And if you don't want to be red pilled, you, now's a great time. Now's a great time to, to say, hey, I've had enough. I gotta process this this large penis stuff that got thrown at me, dude. I can't take any more fucking truth right now man and I get that it, it's heavy that book how to live with a large penis is heavy because see even if you don't suffer from OMG I think it's apparent that you've got uh, all of us have if you either suffer for it or you're, you got a little OMG phobia going and this book kind of makes it hard to look the other way doesn't it doesn't it haters it's okay that's why we're here, man. We're here to grow together, man. Recognize how we can be better. 
That's what the show's about, man. How we could be better. Not the witching hour of pod beams fucking nonsense. We're going to be back. Um, it's Oh, yeah, it's early, dude. We're going to be back in about 15 minutes uh, with a puppet show. We're going to do the Alpha Zone. Uh, we'll talk about Ken and Barbie. We're going to... Uh, I'm really not going to tackle the Easter Bunny. I don't have the sets for that. I'm going to talk about Putin. It's microphallus. Going to check in with uh, Ukraine and fucking Russia and Putin's microphallus battle. And uh, you just may find that there's others, man, that come forward and and testify to, to Putin's uh, microphallus thing. But I also may, I also, it may go deeper than just Putin talking about his microphallus. We may do a what it's like to live what you know some of the some of the things you know like what we talked about with the book you know some of the bad things that happen with people with oversized male genitalia what about those who are microphallus and putin's been brave enough to kind of see what he's wrecking it's the first step we'll talk more but he's taking the first step man he's recognizing he's coming to grips with things right now He's he's going, wait a minute. Putin Putin's really fucked up. Maybe Putin need to be more accepting of of micro penis. Yes, maybe Putin does need to be doing that. So let's you know, let him let him fucking work at his own pace right now. But I think he's close, man, to really kinda having a breakthrough. And that would be great, man. I mean I you know, it'd be great for my fucking podcast, man. Fuck, can you imagine how balls out, wicked cool that would be for me? Fuck, man, everybody would fucking want to fucking know me, dude. It'd be, it'd be wicked cool, dude. Yeah. All right, man, don't go like, wow, did you know that Putin fucking came clean on having a microphallus and vowed to do better? Where did he, where did Putin do that? On the Art of Floundering podcast? So look, Spicoli, peace and love, if you want to see more. If you're interested in that message, I promise you I am going to be back, but Podbeam's going to kick me off. So, it is 8.20. We, we, we have a goal of being restreaming by 8.30 in 10 minutes with a new stream, a new, totally new vibe. And we're going to do nothing but puppets and maybe guitar. No stream of consciousness, hippie fucking bullshit, fucking Will Dick going off on all these, if back in my day I'd smoke weed bullshit. No, we're going to hear from Putin. We're going to hear from Putin. We're going to hear from the Easter Bunny. We're going to hear from Kim Jong-un. We're going to hear from the Alpha Zone, man. And the Alpha Zone's going to walk Ken through how to be a real man. All right? And so maybe Ken will man up. So we'll see tonight, man. So I hope you guys will tune in, man, because I'm feeling creative right now. Let's. So I got to do this quick. From Parts Unknown, Colorado, this is Will Dick with the Art of Floundering Podcast, wishing each and every one of you nothing but peace and love. Please tune in later. Bye. From Atlantic City, New Jersey, Paris Island, South Carolina. BFE Idaho, parts of known Colorado, and all points in between. This is the Art of Floundering Podcast. Wanna wish you nothing but peace and love. We don't care who you voted for. You love how you crack the egg, or whether or not you believe in Santa Claus. That's right, the only thing we give a hoot about is a groovy, kooky thing called peace and love, man. So, welcome to the Art of Floundering Podcast. Peace and love.